Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I am also the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, which is an advocacy group that has all different types of resources. If you haven't checked us out, I encourage you to go to alzheimerspeaks.com and do so. I want to give you a little bit of background before we roll into today's show because every show is different and we always get new people listening. So I just feel that it's nice to kind of give you a base about who the heck are we and what are we doing out here. At our core, we really believe at Alzheimer's Speaks that by joining forces and sharing our knowledge and having just everyday conversations about life with dementia, we can remove the stigmas that are attached to memory loss that are just hurting people so badly in their everyday lives. Together, we can help people understand the true needs of this disease, not just the myths and the stigmas that stagnate people. And at our core, we believe uh, collaboratively we can win this battle um, against dementia by working together. We know we're making a difference, and that is a a big kudos to all of you um, by liking us, tweeting us, um, sharing all the episodes that we have here on Alzheimer's Speaks, not only the radio, but Dementia Chats, which is our webinar series, our blog, all of those things that you're doing to share this global information that we're trying to bring to people is um, making a huge difference because we were honored with being named the number one influencer on the internet regarding Alzheimer's disease by ShareCare and Dr. Oz. And let me tell you, that's not by us alone. We truly are doing this together. So while you're listening, if you can take a moment to like us or tweet us, again, we would really appreciate that very much because there are so many people out there that need this information and just don't know where the resources are to find these everyday conversations that are non-threatening and make people just think, what would my life be like or how could I do something different? So here here on the program, we're all about raising awareness. We want to give voice to those afflicted with uh, memory loss as well as their care partners, both family and professional. It takes all of us to work as a team or as a village together uh, to shift our dementia care culture. 
So again, um, thank you all so much for listening today. If you want to join the conversation, we would love to have you participate. It's very easy to do. If you're listening via your computer, you can type a question or a comment into the chat box, and I will be monitoring that throughout the show. Um, I'll also try to call out for those, but feel free to go ahead and make a comment or question anytime, and I'll pull it in um, as there's a, an opportunity. You can also call into the show live at 714-364-4757. That's 714-364-4757. And if you're in need of support and are looking for an association in your area, don't forget to go to Alzheimer's Disease International or www.alz.co.uk. They house all of the Alzheimer's associations throughout the world, so you'll be able to find the one that is closest to you. And I also want to um, make comment on Music First. I had mentioned them last uh, week on the show. And Music First is a new app for people with Alzheimer's and dementia. And it's just a great therapeutic music tool that's an app that you can download. And I actually got a couple of people who had... um, given me a call and just said how wonderful it works. So it might be something that you want to check out. You can go to uh, coralhealth.com, C-O-R-O health.com, or you can look it up on iTunes. Just put in Music First and Alzheimer's and it should, should pop right up. So let's go ahead and get to our show and get things rolling here today. It's going to be a very um, fun and I think enlightening show because we're going to be talking with two people that um, are dealing with with dementia in their own families, and we're going to see exactly how they're dealing with it. Um, the first guest that we have today is Keith uh, Brengel, and he describes himself as just a guy who looks at life a little differently, and he wanted to document the man he he knows and loves, his dad. He lives in Washington, D.C., and he's never created a video before, but that wasn't about uh, to stop him from doing so. His parents are really his best friends, and this experience is a little deja vu um, for him, and I'll let him talk about uh, about that as well. So welcome, Keith. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lori. Thank you for having me. Well, I I so appreciate you taking the time uh, to be here. Now, I know you work at uh, PBS, and you you had mentioned, you know, that this experience was a little deja vu for you. Can you tell us why? Yeah, I just, uh, this this video itself was a first time for me. I've never done anything like this. And uh, about a year ago, when I heard a song uh, from uh, from Kenny Chesney, who is a very notable country music uh, man, his song was uh, "While He Still Knows Who I Am." I knew from the moment that I heard that song that I was going to take that song and put uh, and make it more dynamic and put images to it, and better yet, put it to video the way that it would describe my life. So from that moment forward, I was determined that I was going to capture really the true essence of my father, who, like me, is somewhat of a jokester. 
uh, a very fun-loving man, and I thought while he still was doing well that this was the opportune time to document that. So I decided as I listened to the music, exactly how the music, how the video was going to flow, and I set out on one weekend on an escape to go see my parents at the beach that we would all together collectively put this video together, and we had fun doing it. Well, that that's neat. So it was uh, it was basically a whole family gathering, or were there friends there as well? Or well, it, it was my partner and I, and uh, just mm-hmm. my mom and dad, and my mom even got into it as well. Uh, she wanted to help film as well. So um, the essence of the video uh, started from Saturday morning straight till Sunday afternoon, and I wanted to capture everything raw, unscripted footage. And I think, and what I've seen from the feedback that I've received from folks, that the video will make you cry and it will make you laugh. And I think that was exactly what I had hoped to do, which is really kind of who my father is. Oh, that's so nice. You know, capturing video, it it can be a little intimidating and uh, spooky. I think it's gotten much easier now with all of us running around with our little iPhones and um, you know, that can capture uh, video. But uh, for myself, it's been so healing to capture little moments with my mom. And I have not done um, a full-fledged video like you in terms of setting it to music. Um, I've done some music therapy ones or just moments in time with uh, family or just myself and my daughter, or sometimes just me and mom. And you know, I just love them. They're just so treasured for me, and I just found it really, really healing for myself. Um, did you find that for you? Yeah, I. you know what's interesting? This was my first video, but since that video, I have done a couple uh, follow-up videos, nothing around my father, more specifically around my travel experiences because I'm, I'm an avid traveler. And what I have done is I've taken what would normally be a travel wrap-up of photos and now have presented them dynamically. So people don't just look at where you've gone and traveled, but they actually experience it. Likewise, I've learned that with, I didn't want people just to see my father. I wanted them to experience my father and to experience his true essence. And that's what I think video does and captures, which unfortunately I don't think photos always do. And that's kind of helped, especially me as I go through this coping process. And, yes, I'm a little public in it, and I would have never expected by me putting this video together and uploading it on YouTube. And the only reason why I put it on YouTube was so that I could share it with my friends and family, and I would have never have ever imagined the amount of responses that I would have received. I think the video has almost 35,000 views, and the comments are very telling that the video though was created by me to help me as I go through this process it's helped others who for the most part internalize things like this and they were able to come public and actually somewhat release their feelings as evident with the stories that people have been sharing with me wow that's just absolutely amazing absolutely amazing um the um the video that you did put together really does share the essence of of your dad and your relationship and the just the the touching um 
episodes of, of real life little things like sitting and eating ice cream or um you know, your your drive just in the car, watching your face and some of the emotions. I, I think it's so powerful because we tend to I think as a society forget some of the small, subtle signs in terms of communication. We're so used to words um taking over and a lot of times it's not the words, it's the it's the smiles, it's the the gestures um, that just talk so loudly to us, and again, you can't necessarily capture that in in a single photo. Um, but I think you did a really nice job in the in the in putting the video together. Can you kind of walk us through kind of the filming and editing um, process, and you know how how long did it take you to pull this all together? I know you were kind of on a mission in a weekend to to capture absolutely. This and it, what I would say is, from what I've heard from others, people have said to me, oh, my gosh, I wish I did this mm-hmm. for my mom or for my dad before they passed away or moved on. And I've said, and people have said to me, it's such a nice way to really do this. And I turn to them and say, you know, it's not hard to do. You can, Everybody's got a phone nowadays that more than likely can take some type of video. And it's not that hard to go through an editing process to put something together. Now, I started out on a Saturday morning headed to the beach. I did not know until Sunday night what I had. Um, There was a lot of footage that we did, and I didn't know what it looked like. I was not reviewing it as part of that process. So we went out Saturday morning. We arrived, and we just made most, as I always do, with the time that I spend with my parents, to go out and just enjoy. So throughout the weekend, I just filmed. And I would have to say, uh, probably by, I would say probably a little early, by Saturday evening, my father kept saying, Keith, stop filming. Keith, put down that video phone. Keith, stop. (laughs) Um, And and the reason why I kind of call that out, it's just very evident. The, The entire time, he would keep saying, Keith, stop. And unfortunately, 55 days later, um, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) 55 days later, he no longer knew my my name. So um, this was very telling to me that I actually did this, and the timing was perfect. So we filmed, came back from the beach on Sunday evening, and with me, I don't want to. I didn't want to wait, so I wanted to see what I had. And I started going through the process of reviewing all the footage that I had. As I'm listening to the song and seeing where certain video footage would work well, and I, and there was a lot of stuff that didn't make it <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to stay positive and I didn't want everything to show relative to every and any emotion because it is a very trying time. Um, So by probably around 11 o'clock Sunday evening, I had what I thought was the video. And what I didn't know was that I would be watching it over and over nonstop until roughly about 6 or 7 a.m. the next morning. It just, it made a strong connection to me, so... So as part of that process, mom got into it, everybody got into it, and we had a fun time doing it. Oh, very neat. You know, you 
You mentioned, and I know how emotional it is when when somebody doesn't know your name anymore. And I don't know if this will will help or not. But for me, and I've been on this journey with my mom for thirty years, and I don't look at it that she doesn't know my name, but that she can't say it anymore. And um, and I've also come to the recollection that that both of us are more than a name. And so even if that name can't be stated, as long as she feels safe and happy and connected to me, that's all That's all that really matters. And so I really try to reframe that because that can be just such a painful, painful time. I have um, two brothers that still struggle with that um, so deeply and it shuts down their relationship when when you know when you get to that point that they don't want to go see her because it's so painful to them and and so I really I try to help people try to reframe that in a different way because even after my mom had not said my name for like three years there's um one time I went in to see her and it was just kind of in a jokey moment we're kind of a jokey up you know upbeat family too and she was laying in her bed basking in the sun sleeping and her shirt was pulled up and tucked like underneath her boobs and her pants were pulled down to her crotch so my mom's this big heavy woman and and so she's basking in the sun and her belly is just hanging out and she's got this like big smile on like like a cat would have you know just curled up in the sun and I and I turned the corner and I saw her and I just started giggling and I said mom do I have to pull out that bikini for you or what and she got this big smile and giggled and then she said oh Lori I don't think I should be wearing a bikini and then she went back to wherever she you know sleep or whatever you want to call it and I just sat down on the bed and I bawled because for like three or four years I didn't think she knew who I was yeah, and, I mean, I have and, to say. Mm-hmm. No, uh, go ahead. Um, so I think it's just really important for us not to make assumptions um, with that. And I'm not saying that you did. I, but again, I realize how painful it is because it's just such a normal thing. And it's a nice thing to hear your name. And you don't realize how important it is to us until it's not there anymore. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, as a society, we're we're taught to really keep our emotions and our feelings to ourselves, especially when dealing with pain and grief. And I'm very outward and public. And with regard to that, I found that this has helped a lot of people. And I'm not out to sell anything. I'm not out to even promote my video. And I'm just, I'm just honored that you would even have me join your your program today just to kind of share my own personal story. But it has helped people beyond me. And if I can help one person come to terms with what they're going through or have gone through, then you know what? I feel as a human being that's a good thing. Oh, it's it's absolutely massive. And, you know, what's so neat with, with YouTube and what you've done is, you know, it'll be out there forever um, and you will get hits just constantly on this thing um, over time. And it's 
and it will continue to touch people just you know one person at a time it's a little ripple in the pond but that it has a huge effect and it and it helps those who watch it um i'm sure every time plus it'll be there you know as a keepsake for you i know i go to my youtube channel and watch um different things of my mom if i'm having a bad day you know just need to feel connected and need to put things in in place. Um, I watch those, and she, that is how, one of the ways um, how she can communicate with me and, and perk me up. She can't give me a hug anymore, but she just warms my heart through these videos and through these moments, and it's pretty cool. And I was going to say, you know, it's helped people of all ages, and also I would say, probably a more number of, a lot more males than I actually would have thought. Um, I've had young guys writing to me saying, oh my gosh, I wish I had this relationship with my father or had this relationship with him before he moved on. And I think it's just kind of an opening that perhaps one may need to take a look and value the things that, you know, that we do have that are so close to us that aren't forever. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, male caregivers um, or care partners, you know, just that father-son relationship, you know, has always been kind of a, you know, uh, especially here in the U.S., kind of this this tough, you know, you boys don't cry, you know, we'll do the outside work, the women will do the inside work type stuff. And, and there were rules to the game of who who was able to care and who who did certain things um, in our culture. And I think that that's really, really changing. And there are a lot of men who are stepping up to the plate um, who want to get involved. And it's not always easy for them to do that. And, you know, everyone's relationship is critical, no matter who you're with. Um, a relationship is a relationship, and it's precious, and we should be able to respect it and preserve it um, in any fashion that we can. And so I, I, I do think there are some, some cultural um, differences that are that are coming about, and I think that that's wonderful. Um, my brothers, for example, <clears throat> weren't as involved with, my dad had brain cancer and then my mom's got the dementia, um, weren't as involved. But in analyzing that, one of the things that I realized was, A, they were really uncomfortable with it and didn't want to deal with their emotions. But B, um, because I was kind of a perfectionist, they could never live up to my standards, so why bother getting tangled up in that hornet's nest, you know? <laughs> right? You know, and I mean, so I had to take some responsibility, and so now I look at things very differently going, you know what, my way's not the only way, and everybody's involvement is important because I felt so sad sharing stories, and my brothers are like, well, when did that happen? And I just thought, oh, they don't have these. Yeah. And I just, I just felt horrible. And I, I won't take all the blame, but I'll take a good portion of it, um, because I, I did help push them away and give them an excuse to not step up. Um, and, and I think they both kind of regret it at this point. And then it's just too late. You know, it's just too late with my dad. My mom's still here, um, but it's, it's different. And you know. 
Um, I, I, so I do think your video is extremely important in terms of, of helping people. Um, I thought the um, just even the lyrics and stuff to the to the song itself were just so powerful as well, and the way that you um, you moved your video with them, you know, while he still knows who I am, drive a Chevy because he drove, you know, a Chevy. And, you know, your a good portion of this is you in the car driving and you can just see kind of that contemplating, um, you know, mom says he can't remember, um, dad thinks he still can, you know, all those little things that that we go through, you know, with this disease, this time I'm going to hug him instead of just shake hands. That's just like makes my heart melt. Because, <laughs> I don't um, think Kenny Chesney realizes what an emotional song he has created with this. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I've, I've shared the video. I've sent it off. I've not heard anything. I wouldn't expect it. Um, but I've been a Kenny Chesney fan for ages. And um, it, he, I don't – he has helped, I think, a lot of people. There are very pointed words that are used throughout this whole thing. And it is, it's really, it was me. I mean, I vis- I heard the words, I visualized exactly what I was going to do. I, I knew I needed vastness to kind of see when I'm going over the bridge to kind of see kind of a tunnel vision of where I'm going to the point where you're seeing, seeing the golden ambers of the wheat fields, which is kind of a vastness of kind of empty. So mm-hmm. there were kind of those emotions I wanted to capture as well. I will say that the one part in the video where my dad's we're at the uh we're at the deli and my dad picks up the sandwich mm-hmm. and he covers his face he covers his face and i think at that point he was like really tired of being filmed um uh-huh. but his ability to move as i moved with it realizing he wasn't going to win out i always mm-hmm. win <laughs> and as such <laughs> and as such with this um i'm not going to let him forget who i am and i've learned some things as I've kind of gone through this. And um, one thing that's very important with my parents are our daily calls. We check in. And sure, we talk about the weather if that's all we talk about. But I have now taken the phone calls and I've decided we're going to put make them visual as well. So shortly after uh, releasing this video, I decided to uh, buy my parents an iPad so that we could FaceTime the calls. My mom, who still walks into a bank to make a check deposit, who has never used (laughs) an ATM, more or less a computer in her entire life, is now very iPad savvy. And with that, we we do our daily phone calls for the most part via FaceTime. And I will say that that visual stimulation has really helped to the point where it was probably two months after we purchased it and they were actually using it because we weren't sure if they could use it, Um, Mm -hmm. and they did. And my father actually sat on one of the calls without me even prompting. He said, so, Keith, where are you going next? And that was very moving that he actually said my name without me asking or prompting him. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was also cute, too, because – with with an iPad versus a computer, there's a sense of mobility where they can share their experiences with me as well. So it was during Christmas time, my mom took the iPad and started walking around the house to show me all the Christmas decorations they had put up. My father then immediately took it from my mom and went outside 
to proudly show the Christmas lights he had hung up on the house that day mm-hmm. that were all lit up because it was evening. So the iPad has provided kind of a visual stimuli as well as an, a connection to be able to share experiences. So little things like that can help others who may be struggling to try to make things work. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a, a brilliant thought, uh, and the um, the visual does make a big difference. It's just an additional cue, you know, for someone to be able to connect at, and um, very helpful. And I think, like you said, very empowering. You know, now your your mom can share things um, easier uh, as to what's going on, and that um, that sense of connection for the person who's caring for someone for dementia is also critical, as well as the connection um, for the person who actually has it. Um, I, I think it's just very, very important. Now, how far away are you from from your folks? So I, I'm about two and a half hours, so I, I do see them a lot more often. Um, and because they're, my mom is the primary caregiver, mm-hmm. so I'm there to help provide the, the support uh, to help her out because it's, it's very, very challenging, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually uh, was with them about a month and a half ago, and this was another little interesting thing, just kind of an antidote on the human mind and the complexities of it. My mom needed to go for surgery that she had been putting off for two years. So she had been living in pain because she was fearful of going into the hospital and what would happen if things didn't go right. Mm-hmm. And we're never going to have that conversation again. So I went and helped out with um, my mom so she could go through surgery to help tend to her as well as tend to my father. Um, it was very interesting because my father is, is always the one who's being taken care of. And throughout this process where he could see that I was helping her and taking care of her, he acted as support as well, where for a period of time she couldn't really walk, so I was her mobile walker, and Dad would come up behind the rear to make sure in case she fell backwards. So his little subtleties of interest and care kind of was a, a role reversal which he still refers to my mom as Inez, that's her name, mm-hmm. to the point where he and I were out getting lunch, and he said, should we call Inez to see if she's okay? The caregiving now was a role reversal where my father, for some strange way, with his human mind, realized he needed to care for her. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little story. It really is, and it just shows that ability to connect um, is still there, even when we think that it might not be. Um, there's an understanding, and there's a the purpose um, doesn't go away. You know, we all are always looking for how to stay connected and, and be purpose-filled, and that allowed him that opportunity to step up and do do what he can to let her know how much he cares and appreciates, you know, all she's doing for him. So that's really very cool, very, very touching um, on on multiple, multiple levels um, yes. for sure. And he Do was, you, in, 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 I was going to say, even in small ways of him kind of helping, I mean, this is, look, this is a horrible disease. And I try to dwell on the positive. As much as the negativity that goes with it, but I still remember at one moment, 
I would have never known that my mother's hospitalization would have prompted a million phone calls that were nonstop. And to the point where the house was constantly ringing to the point that we were so exhausted, I took every phone that was in the house and threw it into a storage unit. So we didn't ha- I didn't know how to turn them off, so I just got them away so my mom could rest, so I could rest, so my dad could rest. Only to find out that my mom woke up and asked my dad, where's the phone? And he went out, and my mom asked my dad to go get her, her cell phone. So mm-hmm. he didn't realize that I had hidden the phone, so he comes back bearing what he thought was a phone, which was a remote control, which he quickly <laughs> turned to him and said, that's not what I need, honey. So I would say, just on a positive note, you know, we're going to have our ups and downs. And you know what? We have to smile, and we do have to laugh at them, but also mm-hmm. treasure what we do have. Exactly, exactly. And and for him to go out and hunt and, you know, try to figure out what the phone was when he couldn't find one, bring something back, you know, is close. I mean, how how difficult that was for him, but how much he wanted to please her, and you know, it's again, it's it's another beautiful story of that connection, um, in terms of of wanting to have purpose, and um, and being together like that. Um, given that you know you're not right next door to your folks, do you have any um, any suggestions? for um adult children who might be dealing with this that are you know that are a distance away from their parents um any other things i know you talked about the yeah. daily phone calls and using the ipad but any other tips yeah i w- i would say there's one thing is you should everyone should get their house in order and that's relative to um legal documents um we are right now going through a process where we're reevaluating everything that we have set up. I've gone through and helped um, list out all my parents' assets, so we have a good inventory of them. Um, but as we've gone through this process, um, we've quickly realized that some of the documents are dated. They reflected uh, life, which was, you know, three years ago. And one of them being that should my mom pass away, Everything should go to my father, and he makes all decisions, which we have now quickly realized probably isn't the smartest thing. So I would say that with your parents, for anybody, is you need, without a doubt, you need to be a resource. You need to help them as they go through this process. And I think I'm help, as we go through this with my parents, we're trying to go through with legal support and trying to understand what are the right things to put in place. As we're as we're looking at their future, you know the other thing that I always toss in every time that comes in because it is critical to you know get your financial and legal house in order. But it's a fantastic opportunity to do it as a family, because a lot of times uh, adult children will be all over their parents to get their house in order, but their own house is not in order. And, you know, really all of us should have health care declarations and powers of attorney as soon as we turn 18. And we should be updating those every year, reviewing them and and looking things over. And we don't because we think, oh, we're young, nothing's going to happen. But stuff happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I'm 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 I will be updating my living will as well. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he's currently listed on there, and it doesn't make sense at this point. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's a good thing. You're right. Every couple of years, it's worth taking a look at what do you have in place, and how does it protect you and cover you if, in the event, something should happen. 
Yeah, and it's just it isn't something that we like to look at. You know, we don't like to think about those things, but it really is about smart living, you know, um, when we do that. I mean, it, it really is about living life in the best fashion and, and reanalyzing because things do change. Um, even if it's not dementia comes into your life or not a divorce or a baby, I mean, there can be a, a zillion different things um, that can come in and change what it is you you want for your future. And if we don't let people know that in a legal fashion, we're really giving up our right um, to have a voice in it. And so it is it is very very important that we that we do that. I'm going to just play a little bit of. Um, of the song so that people can hear that. So let's see. Sure I will. I thought I had it at the right spot, but I guess not. Well, and for whatever reason, it does not want to be playing. Well, maybe I won't. As you're getting that ready, I would Mm -hmm. also say our next big challenge that we have um, with my mom and I are looking at how how does one protect one's um, assets as Mm -hmm. as one's future. And unfortunately, my parents don't have, um, as looking at, looking at nursing care needs and so forth, and with this disease, one's life can be Mm -hmm. very prolonged and go through and wipe out one's assets. So at this point, we're we're challenged to try to figure out how do we look at asset protection relative to my mom, so she, if in and when it does happen, that she can continue to look and live in the in the life that she's been living. So wonderful! I think I have it here now. And for one reason, it wouldn't play in one format, but it will in another. So now it quit okay. again. Uh, I, <laughs> Well, you just, you know, some people's kids. We don't have good luck some days. <laughs> <laughs> it was there. Okay. Hey, Lori. Uh-huh. I know I recognize you're having a little technical difficulty trying to get it. I would encourage any of the listeners if they want to if they want to if they want to listen to the song, it is by Kenny Chesney and the song is titled While He Still Knows Who I Am. Um it, it's not a, he's not created a video for it yet. However, if you if you go out to YouTube um and you put in Kenny Chesney while he still knows who I am, 
um, you'll see um, my video along with a couple other versions of it where they're putting the lyrics up so you can actually see the words to the music. And there are a couple other little personal tributes that individuals have done um, for their own grandmother, grandfather, or own parents. Great. Thank you. And, you know, funny thing is I thought it was plain. I was hearing it at my end, but you guys weren't hearing it there. So. It's okay. <laughs> And I will I will have links I have links to it on the uh, on the radio show itself so people can see it and also on the blog um, I'm also going to add a link to the lyrics um, for it and then I'll also I want to add a link for KennyChesney.com so if people want to uh, go there uh, make a comment to him on how powerful the song is or or go to iTunes and get it. Um, as well, you know, feel free to do that because it is a, a wonderful, wonderful song. Very, very powerful um, piece. Um, the lyrics, like you said, and you said, are, are so powerful. I don't know if he knows just um, how connected um, it makes us all feel who are in the trenches with this. Now, do you know if he actually wrote the lyrics himself to this one? I, I believe he did, and this is actually an older song that he had been holding for a while, mm -hmm. uh, and he just wanted the right time to release it. And, okay. and this is, and you know, it's 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 kind of ironic. It's part of his album. It's called the Fishbowl, which mm -hmm. the irony is, I've now put a video out, and I myself have now put my life out there in the fishbowl to be mm -hmm. seen by all. So uh, I think he was looking for the right time to do it. He writes most of his own music. Okay, okay. Does have you sent him anything to let him know what you did with the? With I, the I, I sent a, I, I sent a letter along with a copy of the video. Um, I, I go to Nashville often, and I um, a major country music, and I have a good friend of mine who works with uh, William Morris Endeavors, who reps a lot of the guys. So we did route it to him and to his fan club. I've not heard anything. I'm not expecting anything. Mm -hmm. um, the thinking is, I just wanted to make him aware of how powerful it actually is. Yep, yep, and that that it definitely, definitely, definitely is. Do you have any plans on making any other other video um, regarding your your dad and your family? That's actually a very good question. Um, I thought uh, it would be nice to do a follow up video now where he is at this point in his life. The the only challenge that I'm having as I contemplated is he is a different person. He's mm -hmm. not the same man that he used to be. And when we look at people and want to remember people, I really want to look at the positive of what I had with my dad. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if who he is today is the memory that I want to capture and keep for mm -hmm. years ahead. Um, so I would say I have to find the right time, and I just don't know that we're, I'm there yet. Yeah. Um, if anything, what I'm learning with him and where he is, is is at the state and with my mom as the primary caregiver, there are a lot of funny and uplifting stories, though not not a, not something you could put on video, but there are interesting ones to share so that individuals who are going through this and are struggling with this, you know, can realize they're not alone 
and there will be ups and there will be downs, and you know, it's life. So sometimes you have to laugh. Yep. Yeah, one thing that I would um, just encourage you is to take the video um, and, and have it for yourself because even if it's not something you think you want today, you may decide tomorrow you wish you would have. Yeah. And and so I would really encourage you to take the video. My mom isn't at all who <clears throat> who she once was, but her essence still comes out. And it might just be a word, it might be a giggle, it might be a roll of eyes that just and it just lasts a second. But if I have it, it just I it, it's just a beautiful thing to have. It, it's a great point, Lori. And I would say that anybody who's out there listening and sees this video and says, oh, my gosh, I wish I could do that, you can. And I would say do it now and don't wait. Because, again, 55 days later, after this video was filmed and edited and pushed live, my father's life changed dramatically. Yeah. And we would have never thought that 55 days could make a big difference. And it really did. And I look back and said to my, I say to myself, I'm glad I didn't wait because it would be a totally different video. And I will take your note to heart and think of how I can document more and what's the right way to present it. Because yeah. it is, and he is, he's very much part of my life and will always be. Yeah, and with my mom, I just did, uh, in fact, I had a, a friend ask if she could uh, do some training with my mom for validation. And so I met up with her, and she just sang a couple of songs to my mom. And, and I took those videos, and I've just uploaded them. I haven't formally pushed them out, but they're there. And what I have found through all these videos, both for the general public and for family and friends who watch them, is they see things they never would have seen in the moment because they're looking differently at that film. Yeah. Um, it, it, they really are little mini training films to find the joy um, that is so often overlooked. And, and when you have a short clip um, and you are able to pull out that reaction or capture just that moment, people realize it's there versus being so busy where they just don't see it. And I think, I think it's those moments that truly give people so, so much hope, um, and they're just so grateful for those pieces. I, I do want to encourage if anybody has a question or a comment to so please go ahead and use the, the chat box or go ahead and call in at 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. You just have to push, push one. But um, very, very powerful stuff. Um, and, I would you know, it Go I was going to say, I mean, and I was going to say, and with this video, people are connecting with it in different ways. And you're right, um, there are a lot of emotions in there, and it's all what people can take from it. And whether it was, you know, my father, you know, being goofy eating the sandwich, and people saying that was my dad, or I even had people who have lost their parents at a very young age who didn't have a relationship with their parents. And seeing me with my parents on the beach and embracing was probably more moving than anything else within the video. So 
people will connect with it in certain ways. And I do tell people, and I never really expected it, get a box of Kleenex ready because you will tear up and probably laugh because that was the, the – I had no idea it was going to be like that. Yeah, very – very, very powerful, and like you said, everyone's emotions are different and all need to be respected um, because everyone processes this journey a little bit different. Well, Keith, I thank you so much for taking time with us and for sharing your life, being part of being part of our fishbowl um, because, uh, you know, with the number of views almost hitting 35,000 and it hasn't been out there all that long, um, that's incredible. It's uh, it's making a big difference in people's lives, and um, for that I thank you. And I look forward to uh, talking with you again in the future, and uh, maybe having you back on the show if you decide to do uh, do another piece or just want to give us an update on how things are going. Um, again, can you tell people how to connect with you? Is it best to go to YouTube then? Yes. I, if you want to connect with the video, the best way to do is go to YouTube. And if you type at the top, K-A-B-R-E-N-G-L-E, again, that's K-A-B-R-E-N-G-L-E, you'll see the video that are attached to me. The Kenny Chesney one should pop up in the first place, and you'll see my travel-related ones, too. Hopefully, you can go, you can take a look and be inspired to do this, and you can see it's not hard to do. All you need to do is have a, the right song that has that sentimental quality and connection that you have with that loved one, and then put it put it to video. Okay. Did you use a particular program at all that you would recommend for people? Yeah, I, I have a Mac, so I just used iMovie, which was so easy to do. Again, the editing process didn't take long. Um, again, I had visualized what I wanted to do. I just didn't know what I had until I went through all the video clips. But it's very easy to match that against the music. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, again, um, thank you so much for your time and um, in bringing this and sharing this uh, with us all here. It's, it's very important work, and we we really do appreciate all all that you have um, contributed because it's it's a massive um, contribution in terms of helping people process and and actually even being able to feel their emotions because sometimes people need to be prodded to feel you know they like to stuff um, and be strong but I am a firm believer that we need to feel our emotions to get through to the other side, and I think you've helped people tremendously in, in terms of doing that. So thank you again so much for your time. Thank you, for le- thank you, Lori, for letting me share my story. I appreciate it. Great. You have a wonderful week, okay? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was just uh, very, very fun to have Keith with, with us, and I'm so sorry that I couldn't get the song to work. There I thought I was listening to it, and, and I was, but you guys weren't. Uh, before I pull our second guest in, I want to just uh, give a couple of highlights um, that I think might be of interest to you. Some past articles that I've got on the blog, uh, Kevin Wu has written three uh, different articles. One is on extra virgin olive oil. Another one is on eight hours of sleep. And his third one was on donating your brain and how important that is. All three of those are, are quite uh, interesting and will just make you think, you know, 
what's really going on here and uh, is this possible? We've gotten a lot of comments uh, on them both here and, and through other venues. And then Barry, our friend from Indonesia um, who is living with dementia, wrote a beautiful piece where he was feeling um, extremely vulnerable and it's called Just Once More. Uh, there's also an article <clears throat> uh, regarding Max Wallach. If you're not familiar with Max, he's just a fascinating young man, 16 years old, um, at Boston University. He has created Puzzles to Remember, which is a, a nonprofit where he shares uh, puzzles um, all over, mails them out for free. And But he is on a mission in college at 16 years old to find a cure for, for dementia. And so there's a really neat article that the Boston University did on him that I think is great. And then Keith Oliver, we've got on the blog a, uh, a video that he did that's very insightful. And that is all about early onset and what it's like to live with uh with dementia, and he gives some wonderful, wonderful pointers. I think it's very educational for both family and professionals. Uh, we've also posted on there the last show. If you haven't seen that one, you say goodbye and we say hello with Tom and Karen Brenner. And that was a really, really fun show talking about the Montessori method. And then we had Ellen Gerst on who talked about grief and dementia. Uh, last article I'm going to mention is um, Carol Orsborn um, with Coral Health had written one on therapeutic music, that it's just really the portal to um, to the spirit. And again, Coral Health has that new app out called Music First, which is absolutely a, a fascinating um, way to change change our body's reaction, um, and it's all research-based um, to be happy or sleep or help us eat, all kinds of, all kinds of different things there. Um, as an update, I wanted to let you know, too, I still need your prayers coming this way. This week, the St. Paul is going to be announcing the semifinalists for the million-dollar idea, and I had proposed one for St. Paul to become the first uh, dementia-friendly city in the U.S. Uh, if that concept would would win, what happens is that million dollars goes to a nonprofit that I would work with um, to implement that. So that would be that would be fairly exciting in and of itself. So any uh, any thoughts and prayers on that? We would love 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 to have come our way on that. So our next guest here is Lisa Hirsch, and Lisa is a brand new author, and um, she's a very popular blogger and has a worldwide audience. She's had a long and successful career in the fashion industry and has numerous articles published in the U.S., the U.K., and Canada. She lives in Manhattan with her husband, and she has uh, one son, and her blog is called um, Mommy Hero, and um, her book is called um, My Mom, My Hero. So welcome, Lisa. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Lori. The only thing is if I sound a little nasal, besides having a New York accent, the allergy count is really high here, so just bear with me. 
Okay, oh, otherwise not... I'm doing great. Thank well, you for good. inviting me on the show. Well, I'm glad to have you here today. Can you give us a little background um, in terms of, uh, you know, what's your connection to dementia before we kind of get started here? Um, my mom's younger brother uh, passed away about seven, eight years ago of Alzheimer's. And my mom lives in Florida, and I live, like you said, in New York. And his wife kept calling me and telling me about my mom. And I thought that there might have been some kind of, uh, I don't want to say jealousy, but um, since she saw my mother's younger brother pass away, um, she kept telling me something was wrong with my mother. Mm -hmm. So that was my first connection was my uncle my mom's brother, who she only had one, and then my mom. So that's how it all started. Okay, okay. And when when did you start seeing signs with your mom? Was it a while ago, or is it fairly recent At, for you? Yes. No, it, it was my mother, and, and a lot of this I've written about, but my mother is tiny, and she's always cold, and she came up one thing. She would come up twice a year. And she came up one Thanksgiving, and she brought all the summer clothes. And in New York, it's pretty cold. And I didn't understand. I also didn't want to think something was wrong, even though my aunt had been warning me. Um, And I just said, Ma, why'd you pack the summer clothes? And she just like, whatever she said, I I kept myself in denial. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing when I look back on it. And that was probably around, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years ago. Okay. So, you know, and the trips up after that, I would, I remember her telling me once in my house that she felt a little disoriented, but I still never held on to, oh, my mom has Alzheimer's, even though her brother had it. Mm-hmm. Denial. Y- yep. Yeah, that is the first step in the process, typically, for, uh, for family and friends as well as many times those that are diagnosed. I mean, it's just uh, one of one of those uh, pieces of the puzzle there. Now, how far away do you live from your mom? I'm in New York City, and she's mm-hmm. in Florida. Okay. So, yep, so it's, it's a plane ride. Yep. Definitely, definitely a hike. Now, can she still travel at all, or do you go to her? No, no. I I go to her. She can't travel. Um, The last trip she took several years ago, my brother brought her up, and it was very difficult to be in a a home that she was familiar with. It it became strange to her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's important. Yeah, and it's important for them to to be comfortable. And it gets it, you know it's hard being a long distance long distance caregiver. Um, that's for sure. Can you tell us what is it like, and do you have some suggestions for people on that? You know, that's how I started my blog for me because out of being a long distance caregiver and speaking to my mom, it, it was it was t- so hardening for me to not be able to like just run over um, Mm -hmm. which is still what goes on now but I'm talking in the beginning so I would be like so taken with emotions about my mom said this or what's going on and and it was not possible for me to move there and she still had enough oh she just like she didn't even have help at the time any caregivers taking care of her she just would 
she wasn't leaving her home. That was her home, and she was very adamant about it. So I am involved in a support group uh, at my Alzheimer's Association, my local chapter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone who's in my group has a parent that either lives with them or is now in a nursing home, but all in the same vicinity. Mm-hmm. And so, in you know, when I do see my mom, which is several times a year, probably four four or five times a year, um, it is re- very upsetting to me because when I speak to her on the phone every single day, it's not the same thing when I see her in person. So mm-hmm. being a long-distance caregiver it, in many ways is much easier than seeing your parent, you know, once a week or every day, no matter how you choose to see them. But then the effects of, you know, my mom tells me, come over today. You know, Ma, I live in New York. You live in Florida. I'm coming in a few weeks. Um, You know, or if something happens with my mom and I want to run there, then it's the other side of why aren't I near her? Why can't I be near her? What should I do? You know, so it's it's, it's a double-edged sword being a long-distance caregiver. Yeah, well, and I would imagine, too, when you do see her, you're going to see um, significant changes from one time to the next. Versus Absolutely. When, versus when you, you know, just see somebody every day. Sometimes we don't notice those things quite as much. Um, and some people may argue with me on that, but it's a... In terms of the adjustment for the person viewing it, it's, I think it's a little, it's, you know, it can be a more slap in the face, you know, when you haven't seen somebody for a period of time. I mean, those those changes are pretty significant versus when you are right there and seeing it on a daily basis. It's almost an osmosis, you know, it just kind of oh. gradu- gradually um, takes over. I remember the first time when I took my son with me that I went to see her where her trip stopped to New York. And I went into, I I mean, she was as clean as could be, and there was like filth all over her microwave, the mirrors you couldn't see in the bathroom. When I went into the bathroom with her, you know, told her to comb her hair, she picked up a toothbrush. It was like, I mean, that was like a shock. But, yes, every time I see her, I mean, I don't ask now how she looks. I talk to her every day, so I know at the moment I'm on the phone with her how she's doing. And that's Mm -hmm. depending, you know, the day is a long day that that she could be going through different uh, phases of the disease. But as my brother picks me up at the airport, I ask him, tell me, how does mommy look? It's it's funny. It's interesting as we were just talking about it. I I don't want to know now. Mm-hmm. I hear, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, and like I said, everybody has to deal with it, you know, a little bit, a little bit differently in terms of of comfort level and how one person is going to describe it to another can be very different as well. And so some people might focus on the negatives, others might focus on the positives, others might be in denial who are trying to describe how things are going too. I mean, you just you don't know. Um, until you see it, because we all are coming from from a different different perspective there. 
Can you um can you talk about how you feel your relationship can be changed um through illness such as dementia? Um you know I would take Alzheimer's from my mom in one second it would be poof and gone. But out of her disease it opened for me a trans it transformed my love and relationship with her. So it's amazing. My mom and I personalities I think were very similar but in ways where we clashed. Mhm. And I love my mother, but it would be like I would call her because I better check in. Mm-hmm. And out of her getting ill, I have this unconditional love for her that is so deep in my heart. It, it, it amazes me. So, like I, I started to say in the beginning of this part of our conversation is, I would remove Alzheimer's, it would be gone in two seconds, but out of the disease, it opened for me doors and a relationship that I didn't know existed in the fullest way. Mm-hmm. I, I I totally get that um, because I have, um, you know, you, you go through this process of things. And maybe, you know what, maybe I'm going to do this now. I was going to do this later, but um, I think we can have a conversation on this. I just wrote, a, a, it's a very short article, and it's called The Dementia Confessional. And so I'm just going to go ahead and read that. I'd love to hear Great. your thoughts on it. I have found it interesting to notice how I've dealt with my mother's dementia over the past 30 years, the phases I've gone through. I thought maybe, just maybe, it might help you on your own journey with dementia. The questions I found myself asking are, is this situation normal? Are my thoughts and feelings normal? Heck, let's cut to the chase. Am I normal? And here are a few of the reactions to my life with memory loss. First, I started out-and-out denial, not happening to my family. Then enrolled the need for control, recognizing there's a problem and thinking I can fix it, knowing there's a problem and, well, I can make it better, realizing I can't fix mom, but I sure as heck can fix everyone else. And then control, just not working. Time to readjust and play the game once again. Um, Then I came to a coming of acceptance, trying hard to let go of control, but slipping up routinely and feeling horrible that I'm not a better person. Um, Working harder, feeling more comfortable with being spontaneous and looking for joy-filled moments. And then finding peace in letting go of blaming myself and others and God. The next phase was a peacefulness, which was around the corner, learning to adjust um, to just being, going with the flow of dementia, applying this new perspective and skill set to all areas of my life. And this was huge and life-changing on many levels of in terms of going with the flow. Next phase was appreciation, finding out how amazing and loving and peaceful and calm my life has become, being filled with gratitude and being thankful for what I still have with my mom on this path of dementia. 
And then the this last one is the confessional, finding refuge in the silence with mom now in her own stages. Vulnerability appears to take over, and, and I let go even more, feeling comfortable enough to expose my true inner thoughts and feelings to my mother, who can't respond as I so deeply want her to. Grief and guilt for the person I so longed to um, be to my mother. Unworthiness and strong feelings that I have failed my mom in many ways. Um, submitting fully uh, to my higher powers, my mom, and asking for forgiveness. Releasing of my sins, appreciating that I've done the best I could do along my journey. And then the last is achieving, once again, a new level of unconditional love I didn't know even existed prior to dementia. Any thoughts on that? Well, first of all, my first thought is that I wish I could touch you and, and, and give you a big hug. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I hear, I felt uh, the tears and then I heard them. And wow, Lori, that was that was powerful. It's it's you know the biggest thing for me and the thing that I have difficulty understanding with other people and it's what we wrote about. And yet I do understand is when when people you know I hear like in my group they'll say that their mom is not the same. She's mm-hmm. not the same mother they had. And I think that your path and your journey in, in sounded was more similar to mine. Mm-hmm. And when I hear that, it's like, well, my mom, yeah, she's not the same person she was. She doesn't remember I'm married for 33 years. She doesn't know she has a grandson, one and only, for 25 years. Someday she remembers her father's. Uh, name and sometimes she doesn't and she doesn't remember my father that often and yet I stay in the place of being grateful and thankful for what I still have with her. Yeah. And 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 I think living in the past for me and I think for many people is is you know like you said we all share and hold things differently. Mhm. And and this let me ask you something when you read the part where you became so tearful what was coming up for you? Uh, uh just the whole journey. You know, the whole process is just I mean, it's been 30 years. It's been a long, long time. Um and just to be able to release those feelings um yeah, yeah, and you, you let them go. I mean, writing is is um, and like with the video too, it's empowering um, because it's a way of healing, and you don't always have to share it with people if you don't want to. Um, but putting it down on paper is just such a nice release. Um, but then you know, reading it again, a lot of that emotion comes back that you think you released, but it's still there. It's still oh, burrowing yeah. inside, and um, you know, over time. It will, you know, it, and I don't ever want to, I guess, get rid of the feeling. Um, you know, one of the things that that I've been told um, through my talks and 
and um, speaking and, and even through the radio and writing and stuff is is being able to share the vulnerability allows others to be vulnerable um, to those feelings. And, and again, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in not stuffing feelings, though. I've done it. I mean, <laughs> everyone does it at at times, but I think there comes a point where you just you have to um, recognize them and try to kind of move through them or move with them. You know, you can't ignore the feelings or your body is typically going to get sick, you know, or you're going to do something to try to cover it up. But, I mean, you can, there, there can be a lot of issues that can come, you know, you can kind of come unglued with it. And so I think you have to realize that feelings aren't good or bad. They just are. Um, and there's some, something that we have to process. So for me, it was just, I, I think when I got really teary was thinking, you know, every day that passes now with mom, and this might sound really sad, and I try not to focus on it very much, is one day closer she's not going to be here at all. Right. And exactly. and even though she's in her very end stages and communication is minimal, uh, you know, she just means so much to me. When you see her? Mm-hmm. Is she aware of you? No? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, it just depends on the day. You know, other days right, I right. I just did these little videos with a friend who was singing to her, and people were like, oh, I didn't think she was that connected. And, well, she normally isn't, you know, but music can pull that out of her, those short little moments. Uh-huh. You know, it just depends on, yeah. on approach, and it depends on time of day, just like it does with the rest of us. Um, can have a big thing, but I mean, sometimes she, you know, just won't wake up at all and will just sleep. Um, other times she'll say, uh, "Oh yeah," you know, that's <laughs> one of her. So, so, so her, I mean, I share, my my blog. It's it's amazing how many how many views I have that. But what why I what keeps me going and why I put it together in a book is I get hundreds of emails from people, other caregivers, and something that I say brings up something for them. And it's amazing to me of how many people want to reach out, and I know it's not just to me, Mm -hmm. and share what they're feeling. It's interesting. In my case, a lot of people will share about their mother-daughter, how they're so close. Mm-hmm. or how their moms, and, and, and there are people that write me who have lost their parent already to the Alzheimer's dementia, mm-hmm. um, and it's been several years. So it's it's different reflections, which is what mm-hmm. you were just doing, uh-huh. of what goes on. It's It's amazing to me where there's so many different places that we can speak, but we all speak the same language. It's it's we it's it's almost like and it, it sounds crazy but this world community of what of Alzheimer's we are all so supportive to each other mm-hmm. and we're all there for each other it, no matter what avenue you take mine mine was the blog um, and now it's in the book form yours is your web and your radio um, the support groups. 
it's it's everyone has a different way of being there for each other, but it's it's really amazing and to me knowing that I've made a difference with people because every single person that I hear from I write back to mm-hmm. um, you know we both have uh, the same common friend who does his newspapers um Gary LeBlanc who's fabulous mm-hmm. yep. it's 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 admiring it, it's it's just you know we're all advocates in different ways and and it doesn't matter how we go about it it's not self-serving and it's it's being and it's also for us being able to release what we're feeling I mean, yep. I shared, like, you know, I'm grateful and thankful. And, you know, I laugh when you said if you don't, you're, it'll come out in your body. And I started the mm-hmm. phone call saying I have these allergies. Well, uh-huh. I'm in the process now with my mom. Do I bring it to New York? Do I leave her in Florida? She's soon going to have to go on Medicaid and go into a nursing home. So it's not that I am untouched in in any kind of, um, I want to say, grieving way. I'm mm-hmm. there also, you know. Yep. It's, it's but but to get through the days and get through, you have to, or I have to have my cup half full, not half empty, because there will be a day when, right, I can't hold her hand, and she's not here anymore. Yep. No, I I totally totally agree with you there. It's and it is interesting how everybody just packages this differently and i i love that we're coming to a place where it's much more collaborative and people are sharing and talking and having honest conversations and and not judging um but really trying to be compassionate and supportive um of this process because you know care you know being a care partner is is difficult at best and uh, there's no there's no rule book, you know, there's no class you can take because every person is different. The person who is ill, the person who is giving the care, the environment you're in, all three of those things mix and mingle. <laughs> and, but but and we all up. understand. We, You know, if you haven't had a very bad toothache and then you tell me your tooth is, oh, my God, this bit, then I understand. If I never had that bad toothache, I can't understand. So mm-hmm. although everyone's situation is different, you know, it's it's we all understand. Yeah. Well, and I'm a firm believer too that it takes us to have more of a toolkit in terms of how to process things and and how to give care. I, I know there's a lot of um companies that want to say they have the best practice and and I don't believe in a best practice. I think there's multiple best practices that have to be um chosen, you know, for the situation and for the the people who it's being delivered to and being delivered from. I don't know what are your thoughts on that? Say that one more time. I, I, you know, there's a lot of companies that think that there's only one way to interact with somebody with dementia, and that's called, you know, a best practice, Um, and that theirs is better than everyone else's. And I I believe that there's many best practices and that people have to figure out what's best 
for, you know, them and their style and their person and their environment. And I think that that can even change throughout a day, um, let alone a year, um, in terms of where people are at. What happened was when you said that, I went into my head. And because I'm, I'm really not, I don't feel that I have any expertise in making a statement about that. But what I went into my head for is each each person that has dementia needs different kind of caregiving. Each mm-hmm. each person has a different um, um, when I say personality, a different way of the way they react. My mom is not aggressive at all. Mm-hmm. Um, she is basic. She's it's amazing. She's not on any medication unless she has a UTI. And then and then she's up all night, which was going on this week. She's up all night and taking everything out of her drawers and 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 manic when I speak to her on the phone. And and then they give her uh, a pill to try to calm her down, and it doesn't calm her down. And you know that's when it gets very scary. But why when I went into my head as you were speaking is she has a mother and daughter that are only with her twelve hours a day. My brother mm-hmm. lives in Florida, so he goes once or twice a week. And, um, you know, obviously, I mean, I call them my angels. They're so mm-hmm. wonderful. They are so caring. They are, you know, do they do everything the way some people think is the perfect way? You know, who's to say? Each person needs something different. Mm-hmm. Each yeah. patient. Yeah, I I think so too. I think so too. And I think uh I think through, you know, us sharing in all these different modes, if it's video, if it's blogs, if it's books, if it's um, you know, on Facebook and groups, whatever, right. I I think it's just all about this interconnection that we have and people, you know, can pick and choose what resonates with them at the right time. You don't have to be stuck with with one specific way or one specific thought because we're all growing and changing as humans. Um I mean that's just kind of the nature the nature of the beast <laughs> that we're that we are. Um can you tell us you you know you talked a little bit about starting your blog. How long ago did you start that um Lisa? I started I cuz I I I I started it March 2011. Okay. So, yeah, okay, so about three years ago, or two years ago. Two years, yeah, like two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then were you getting, I I know you had mentioned you get a lot of comments and stuff. Um, Were people asking you to write a book then? No, no, just that people constantly ask me to please, that they thank me for coming from a position of more grateful mm-hmm. and about the relationship and thanking me for sharing my journey because they are able then to associate with themselves even if it wasn't the same thing. You mm-hmm. know, if, if if I if I you know the first time my mother had a UTI, I mean I haven't even heard of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I wrote about it or I mean whatever it might be, um Whatever touches me during the week, I then put into the blog, and it's it's just it's heartfelt, it's real, it's human, um, and I'm only relating 
about myself with my mom, and like anything else, many people can relate with it. Mm-hmm. Do you have a um, a specific chapter in the book that you just is really special to you more so than the others? I'm sure they all are, but yeah, they, they, well, because I did it in a progression. You know, mm-hmm. like there's so many. It's it's interesting. <laughs> um, the one that I find that really always put a smile on my face is uh, the one. Tra- I'm grabbing the book. You got caught me off guard here. <laughs> is <laughs> is the one called Trading Places? I, I it, it it was it was it to me it was it really puts a smile on my face because I one day could not find my makeup while I was talking to my mother. I was I had her on speakerphone and um I'm asking her, Where's my makeup? I can't find it. She said, Well you go buy new makeup and it was like the blind lean the blind. It, it like <laughs> <laughs> excuse, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> For me they all like really as I'm looking at this, wow. No, they all have special meaning to me, or they wouldn't have been in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> um, no, I don't. I don't. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, in your, your yeah, title, you something to really think about. <laughs> well, and your your titles are interesting too. I think they kind of draw people in. You know, like feelings. Oh, so many feelings. Or is this a dream? Is my cup half? Half empty or half full, you know, a day filled with sunshine. Little things can mean a lot. Um, is and you have the one, what sense? becomes of the brokenhearted, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just, yeah, very real. Yes. Yeah. And so um, I, I think that, uh, and you've got a lot of comments, you know, that people had posted um relating to this which again i i think just shows the tie in that people that people feel um what can i ask what your family thought about the book any how did you you've um, got a brother if i remember correctly i have a brother you have a brother um i will say this to you that the only reason i put this together in a book is is because of the comments Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the comments, there would be no book. It would just be my blog, which I continue on my blog. Um, it's knowing that I made a difference with people that I know that I could reach that many more people to read and make a mm-hmm. difference. Um, my family, my brother hasn't read the book yet. <laughs> Because he, he always read my blog. My blog. Uh-huh. He reads them. Um, I did send him one, though. My son, who doesn't live with me, he's 25, um, who also I always would send the blogs that I really love, my posts to him, uh-huh. read the book through, and he thought it was fabulous. I mean, you're asking people that I'm related to. My husband who wrote the introduction for me in the book because I didn't, to me, my husband knew myself and my relationship with my mother better than anyone. He used mm-hmm. to break us up when we used to fight. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Um, you know, they thought it was wonderful, but I've gotten a lot of reviews on Amazon, and if 
anyone reads them, it's it's. Some people see the book it had nothing really to do with dementia or Alzheimer's. They see it as relationships, mm-hmm. um, or not not only mother and daughter, but relationships. Um, I well, and I I think that that's one of the the gifts too with this disease is it makes us. I mean, so many lessons I've learned, I mean, I can apply to so many areas of my life, you know, that really don't have anything to do with dementia at all, but I think have really made me a better person. Yes. Wow. What you said was like, wow. I mean, a real big wow, because my husband is a psychotherapist. He's a social worker. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I wasn't this way, but he he feels that I've really become so much more compassionate to people. And I look at him thinking, well, I thought I always had this, but he sees a different side or part of me. Oh, I my daughter says the same about me. And I, you know, she she would always tell me, even when she was little, she's like, Mom, you think everybody has to live their life like you? You know, and I'm like, what are you talking about from a three-year-old, you know? And um, and I, w- I would always try to help people live what I thought was a better life, which I guess was my model at the time. And now I, I realize there's many, many ways, you know, to live life. And to I just look at it so different, and I don't – I really didn't think that I was a judgmental and I really didn't think that I was controlling. I thought I was organized, you know. Um, <laughs> but how other people view you um, and how I can honestly, I mean, I, I've just let go of so much. And I don't get pulled into drama because it's just not important to me. And I don't pick sides. And I don't, um, it, it's just a very calming way to live. So, Lori, when you started the, you know, saying that I was going to be on your show, guest on your show, you brought up what I used to do, which was in the fashion industry. Your mom has dementia, Alzheimer's for 30 years, which is a, I can't even imagine how how long that is. Um, what did you do before your what you're doing now? I well, in I your was profession. In- yeah, professionally I worked in healthcare for about nine, ten years in the group home industry with the developmentally disabled. And then I got burnt out in that arena and then I went into real estate and I was I sold residential real estate for twenty five years, which was kind of ironic because I really growing up nobody moved out of my neighborhood. So <laughs> I really, I didn't know about moving. That was really kind of foreign to me, but I just knew that's where I belonged. And as soon as I entered that field, I recognized the senior market, which 25 years ago nobody even knew we had. And so then I developed a program called Classic Lifestyles, which helped the senior, the families, and the professionals all speak the same language to do what's best for the senior. And um, and so during that whole period, you know, my mom had was you know dementia was getting worse and and progressing my dad had brain cancer he lived for like four and a half years he died in 2001 but i was really in the crux of caregiving and so it was a, it was real estate was a good fit for me um but the ironic piece was 
when you have to really walk your talk. And I thought I was until I had to deal with my own parents. And so for me, it was always really easy to be compassionate and help people make these decisions to move. But when it came to my own mom, well, you know, I could do that. I could I could take care of her, take care of her, and she was going to move in with us. And um, you know, I, it was just not something I thought would ever happen. I I never saw her moving into a nursing home ever. And um, when my dad <clears throat> when my dad got um, ill towards the very end, he had to move into a nursing home, and mom was going to live with us. That was the game plan. And one morning she woke up and just said, clear as a bell. And now this is a woman who at the time couldn't pick out her clothes to wear and would be, you know, fairly confused throughout her day, yet very pleasant and very social. She woke up really clear one morning and just said, I want to move into the nursing home. And so... I, you know, and the only thing out of my mouth was, but that's not the plan. And ah, was, there goes that controlling piece. That well, it, your own. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> organized, organized. I was still thinking at the time, you know, and then right. and then I um and then I asked her, you know, why, mom? And you know, she just melted my heart with her answer. She said, "We've been together forty nine and a half years, and I'm not leaving them now." And so mom moved into the nursing home, um, not in with dad, um, because he was in a fairly low-functioning unit, which was just scary to her. And then I um, basically took off work and was over there the majority of the time um, because she couldn't maneuver up to the second floor. So the rule was she had to have one meal and one activity um, every day on her unit to get acclimated, and the rest of the time I would bring her up with dad. And by the time my dad passed, a couple months later, she, you know, socially, she just slid right in, was very comfortable there, had made friends and and it, stuff. It, so, it, mm-hmm. you go ahead. I'm sorry. So I was going to say, so the whole real estate piece of working with the seniors, the family, and the professionals, I really feel like that's the same thing I'm doing now with dementia. It's getting everybody to speak the same language and see the true needs and see that there's more than, you know, there's not one answer. Like everyone would say, well, should I move? You know, should I rent? Should I buy? Well, there isn't one answer, you know, and there isn't one answer with dementia either. There's multiple answers, and you have to analyze it and look at it and and then still be flexible. Well, that's where I was at my support group this last week. Should I move my my mom's going to have to go on Medicaid in a few months, and it's it was feeling the guilt. I I can't put her in a nursing home. You know, if I win the lottery, she can stay in the house the rest of her life. Do I bring her to New York if I can get her in? It's easier to get her in in Florida, and it was it, yeah. The, and and my support group leader who lost both parents to this disease twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, is is you know there is no right answer and everyone shared what they went through with whatever decisions they made there is no one answer for anyone no so, there's not and when there's... Yeah, there was one other thing i didn't mention which which if anyone else is listening is a long distance caregiver um one of the things that shocks me is my mom has been a great and i talk about it in my blog and in the book but a great speller great speller mm-hmm. 
and it's something that she's now probably averaging 90% of spelling correctly, but she was amazing, and, and it was like always fascinating to me that how do you spell she can't write it down. She has macular degeneration. She doesn't even know. She And then she immediately can spell words to me. And I'm not just saying simple words, mm-hmm. enough four letters. So I played when she had, when I knew she, when I know she's having a better day on the phone, mm-hmm. I played games with her, which I know is also stimulating her, um, her brain. And the other thing is, you know, we, like you've discussed, and everyone knows how important music is. So we'll sing songs, um, even though I know, you know, I have the caregivers um, playing her music. Um, so uh-huh. it, it gives me an activity with her in, because the the conversations are very, very little uh, at this point um, mm-hmm. to be able to carry on a conversation. So it, 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 it gives me, like I have fun with her also with the spelling and the singing and and uh, she, it's it's a lot of the words if she can't remember I can't remember either but then she'll make up like a poem out of it so it, it's it's but as long as it's caregiver it's the interaction that way which I think is really soothing to both for both of us mm-hmm. I think you know when when you sing there's a joyfulness um, when we laugh. You know, it, it's it's a different place in your heart. So yeah, just what I did that in. No, I I think that's I think that's great, and I loved what um, Keith said earlier. You know, in using the iPad in terms of phone calls where they can have the visual, how that has really helped um, their connection as a family. You know, and not everybody can afford to do that. Um, if people have a little iPhone, you can even use the you know FaceTime with that and wouldn't have to get an actual iPad. But, um, yeah, lots of different ways to increase that that connection. Yeah. But and for me, unfortunately, my mother, like, you know, I used to have them show her pictures. Um, she has macular degeneration. She's, you know, legally blind. She can't even see pictures anymore. So if I was to set up Skype or anything else, she wouldn't even be able to see it. Mm-hmm. So, um now, Rose yeah, that is, asked, is great, what he suggested, what yeah. he does. Rose is asking a question. Um, are are you concerned that you might get dementia because your mom has it? Am I concerned? I'm not concerned, but I do notice when I can't remember someone's name, um, especially when they're a famous actor or actress, it's like, uh-oh, and I make a joke to myself or to if it's someone who's close with me, um, uh-oh, I must be in phase two or three. No, I'm not concerned, and I also, for me, will not get tested. Mm-hmm. I, I'm to see if I have that gene. I, I, if there's I, nothing I can do to prevent, I mean, if I heard I had the gene, which doesn't mean that you're definitely going to get it, yep. um, and there's no prevention or cure, boy, I think I would, I don't know how grateful and happy I'd be. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like the cancer gene. We all have it. But, you know, is it going to take or not? Um, I feel the same way. I, I, you know, I don't worry about it. I don't lose sleep about it. I, I don't go down the rabbit hole. Um, I am much more conscious when I can't pull something forward in my pea brain, though. And, 
you know, yes, and yes. kind of, you know, and you kind of go, hmm, you know, what's that? And I, right, I know exactly. I say, well, you know, I was never good at that before, you know, and I I just like, like if somebody asked me about a song or a musician or whatever, I have never, ever remembered those things. If I hear it, I'll tell you if I like it or not. I can tell you if it's going to be a hit usually or not, but I can't tell you the name of the song and I can't tell you who's who's right. Right, right, and it's the same thing. Like I, after I saw movies or read books many years ago, I really don't remember them, recall everything, mm-hmm. and yep. so like now I, I don't either. But so, but I remember, you know, that I'm talking about going back 30 years ago that I couldn't remember then, and then I can wake up and remember something I was supposed to do. So the, you know, I yeah, I just whoever asked the question, I'm sorry, what was her name? Rose. Rose, you did good, Lori. <laughs> thank you for thank you for the question. It's like, yeah, it, it's you know, that's like walking out in the street and being, am I going to worry about getting hit by a car? I mean, I know the damaging effect of this disease is more heartbreaking, but yeah, enjoy each day while you can and don't worry about it. Yep. Yeah, and I, you know, look at the humor. When you were doing that, uh, when you were talking, it was kind of funny. It was like all of a sudden my old phone number when I lived at home with my parents, you know, how many, four years ago. I'm like, I still know that, you know. Right. <laughs> well, I must be okay. And, it, and so it was like unconsciously, yeah, maybe yes. I think about it more than, than what I want to admit that I do. I don't right. know. Um, you know, but you do challenge yourself with things. And, and I think it's normal to question when you do forget or you can't recall something to for that bubble to come up and go, what if? Is it? What do you think? You know, and then I have to go back to, is it um, disruptive to my daily living? And at this point, it's not. You know, um, but I think I'll I'll be much more conscious of of those situations, and hopefully, if it you know uh, if it does hit me, I'll be proactive in terms of going to the doctor. Though you know, there's some people that'll say. You know, I don't know if I want to know if there's nothing they can do, then my insurance is going to go up. And, I mean, there's all these other ramifications with it. And you know what? I mean, we don't know what life has in store. So some other way you could unfortunately be, become deceased and never, and maybe the Alzheimer's was in you, uh, the gene, and but you never got to that age to get it. So, you know, I don't want to be morbid, but, <laughs> you yep. know, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's like what you worry about, like all you have in your life is today. That's the bottom line, or at this moment. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, Now, is there anything else you want to cover? We've got uh, about 15 minutes left here, and I want to make sure that we we get everything else um, talked about. I definitely want to let people know how how your book is different from other caregiver books and and where where they can get it. Okay. Um, you know, I've read from other people some wonderful books, um, other people that have written um, pretty much like memoirs about their parent. Um, and, not, and I'm not talking famous people, um, and they've been wonderful. My book is different because it's it's sharing an experience that happened all different um, 
moments and times. Uh, like one example is I volunteered at a nursing home, and uh, this woman who I was told by her daughter never speaks, but every Tuesday she would come in and watch the piano player. And her daughter mm-hmm. left, and I was there, and she started to sing, and our eyes met. And, went, and it, it, like she touched me in such a way. The next day, not only do I think about my mother, I thought about her. So it's experience that have that experiences not based on a story of what's going on our entire life for the last 10 years or since she got ill. The other thing that I'm very, my book's very different about is I have no advice about how to be a caregiver, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's long distance or whether when I sometimes I'm with my mother for two weeks um, is I think that's, yeah, so it's not about caregiving where people give different um, suggestions or different ways to do things. It's not about that at all. Um, there was a book many years ago which called Tuesdays with Maury, mm-hmm. which was um, when I saw the author, who was a very famous author, um, Mitch Album, on a TV show for his new book. He talked about when he was coming out with the book, that people said, no one's going to buy this book. Who wants to read about a man dying? But whoever has read this book, this man, Murray Schwartz, um, had these words of wisdom, and he, he was his a grace of dying. Um, and so it touched people. My son, 25, read it like a year ago. Um, it touched people in a very different way. So I'm not saying that my book, because it's in a different genre, and it's in the world of dementia or Alzheimer's, but it's it's to me something that you could pick up. You don't have to read it through. And, mm-hmm. and people have told me this. You can just pick it up and open a new chapter any place, any time, and put it down, and it'll bring you to a certain place. And as you mentioned, Lori, was like the comments are there to, to that none of us are alone in this. And yep. um, that's just massive for people. To, to feel connected, I I just think that that is just such a important piece of all of this um, journey that we're on, you know, together as a community is removing that isolation and giving people some some solace because man, it's it's scary when you think you're all alone, um, I, and that's one of the beautiful things that I think the internet has has given the world is this sense of connection. And um, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. How do people um, get a hold of you, Lisa? What's, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, you can send me an email through my blog. I can give you, I can give you the email address. It's, or you can go on mommyhero.blogspot.com. Or it's Lisa. I, I'm, there goes my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa Hirsch, L-I-S-A-H-I-R-S-C-H-712 at gmail.com. But it's probably, if you go into my blog, then it'll just pop up to send me the email. probably would be easier. So that easier. was mommyherobblogspot.com. Okay, great. And, and last- my book is available on Amazon and Kindle Worldwide. I actually had someone on Facebook tell me that they really wanted to share it with their mother. They live in Germany, but their mother doesn't 
read English. Okay. So even though it's on well, even though it's on worldwide, which is wonderful, it's not translated. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Which I. That would be nice if they had a translate button on all of the all of the books, like you can put on your website and stuff, so that if people could. Has, yeah. If anyone has any interest, well, actually, people have translated my blog. I was able to put that. Mm-hmm. I've. Pole from Poland, Russia, uh, Germany, um, send me things, um, and then the, what they quoted was from the blog. In in because I was able to put a button on there to translate. Um, if anyone has any kind of interest, you know, if they go on Amazon.com and they just look at the reviews, and they can mm-hmm. open some of the pages and and see if they have any interest in it. Um, before they even try to purchase it. It's priced pretty well anyway. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, I thank you so much for um, for taking time to be with us. And again, on the blog, I've got your uh, contact information there as well. So people can always always uh, find it there. Or if they haven't, weren't able to join us live, they can listen to, uh, listen to the show afterwards because many people do listen after the fact there. It looks like, uh, let's see, Rose has one last note, which she'll pass on to you. No one ever leaves um, when we keep them um, in, within our beings. Very true. Very yep. true. No no Amen, one ever leaves. Amen, Rose. Amen. Yep. Good, good and quote. Lori, I want to thank mm-hmm. you as we, t- you know, for your dedication and your caring so much for I, I'm going to say past the world of Alzheimer's dementia because, I mean, what we do and is maybe limited into this world because that's our commitment. This, but it's 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 who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's really quite a privilege and an honor to meet all the people that I meet through this work, um, and to hear that no matter where we live. We're we're all so connected on so many different levels. I was listening to um, Bill Clinton talk to his uh, one of the colleges. I can't remember which one it was, and he was making the comment. There you go again. You can't remember. <laughs> I know he was he was making the comment that um, people are ninety nine and a half percent alike on the geno level, and it's only half a percent that's different. And most people will focus on the differences that break them apart instead of the commonalities that bring us together. And I guess, you know, my goal is to really help people focus on those commonalities and um, t- so that they can be more resourceful in terms of sharing and, and comfortable with that. And I can, I, I get the well, same and, stuff. And that's for me too. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's to me like anyone that reads my blog and, and, and wants to write me, it's, 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 you know, I get a lot of it on Facebook also. Um, they'll, they'll, cause I'll post my blog on Facebook. So they'll write me through Facebook and, and, um, it's giving back. It's giving back, and and how many things I've read from them that have touched me and brought tears to my eyes, and uh, knowing that you can make a difference in one person's life is is really all that matters to me now. Yeah, well, and it's so important um, 
that you get back because there's a lot of sites that don't respond. And I think that's one of the things I hear, and I'm sure you do too, is people will reach out and nobody's there. So it looks pretty and there's good information, but what people are really looking for is that connectiveness. And hopefully um, we can continue to do that through Alzheimer's Speaks is connect people all over the world. So I, I thank that, you again so much. I have, I have connected the people all over the world that, that now, you know, I'm putting quotes on my friends on Facebook that we're mm-hmm. all in the same thing together. It is. You know, it was. It, I mentioned Gary, and I'll mention him again. He came to New York. He was doing um, a seminar in New Jersey, and I met him at Port Authority. It was like so special to me. And, and you know, Lori, I look forward to meeting you one day. Yep. Oh, and we definitely will. I'm sure. Thanks okay, again, Lisa, great. and have a okay. wonderful week. Okay. You too. Bye now. Bye bye. I'm going to go ahead and just remind people that um, we have our dementia chats coming up on the 14th. And I want to let you know this one is going to be a little tentative because I have to do some traveling. So we're either going to do that earlier in the morning or maybe on the 13th. I'm just working with our with our experts on that one to firm up a time. And I hope to do that by the end of this week here so we can get that that all laid out. Our next show is scheduled for May 13th, and we are going to have Linda McLean with us, who is just absolutely fabulous, and she's going to be talking about planning for gratitude. We're also going to have Dr. Dale Nightingale with us about new approaches to dementia on the 20th. We're going to have the Better Business Bureau on talking about how to avoid scams because this can be a real issue. And Nancy um, Levinson, who has written a book about living and loving a spouse with dementia. Then on May 28th, we're going to have Music First with Coral Health with us. And we are also going to have uh, Janet uh, Calthorpe with us, and she's going to be talking um, as well on activities and engagement. So May is very full, and um, June 4th, we're going to have Jackie Poole with us from the U.K. who is doing amazing work with, and we're going to talk about what makes a dementia champion. So really looking forward to our our further shows. Again, if you liked the show, if you can um, go ahead and help us uh, spread it around on Facebook and tweet us or email it or send it to your groups on LinkedIn or or any other social media, if you want to reblog it, please feel free to do that. Uh, The whole goal is to try to share information. And needless to say, I I can't do that alone. Um, If you are looking, again, for an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world, you can uh, Google Alzheimer's Disease International or go to www.alz.co.uk and you'll be able to find an association uh, in your area. In the meantime, I recommend that you use the three principles of your memory chip and just focus on are they safe, are they happy, are they pain-free. Until next time, have a blessed week. Bye now. Hey everybody, Jared Sebastian, host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. 
Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years, retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.